read a question this week that uh, Walter Liefeld wrote in one of his books. And this is a rhetorical question. I don't want a hand shooting up. He asked the question, he says, how many of us Christians today have ever, even once, spent a whole night in prayer? Luke chapter 6. I want you to look at our Savior. Verse 12. He's just come out of a series of battles with the Pharisees. Clashes. He's, you remember last week we talked about him as our freedom fighter going before us to pave the way of grace and hope and freedom. Jesus being fully God and fully human, I'm sure, was worn down, physically speaking. What's the most natural thing to do when we're worn down? Sleep. Sometimes we need sleep. We talked about that last week, but sometimes we need to do what Jesus did here. Verse 12 of chapter 6 says, One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he spent the night praying to God. Lifefield went on. He said, In his prayer life, as in all else, the Lord Jesus stands far above even the best of us whose words about prayer need to be matched by the consistent practice of it. I can honestly say that last part of that quote penetrates my heart because don't we often talk so much more eloquently about prayer than we actually practice it? We're good at talking about it, but if someone examined our lives, said, does that person really depend on prayer? Does that person really depend on God? Would they come to the conclusion that yes, we did? He was praying because he was worn down from those conflicts, but he also had an important decision to make. Look at the decision that he, he made as he came out of that night of prayer. Verse 13, when morning came, he called his disciples to him. This is a larger group, okay? And he chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. A lot of people think he chose 12 to say, hey, you remember there were 12 tribes of Israel? Look, God's not done with Israel, but God is creating a new body of people here. This is a significant moment in history. He's laying the foundations of the church. He designated them apostles, sent ones. They would be witnesses in a very special way of his life and ministry and resurrection. Simon always comes first in the list, whom he named Peter. His brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who is called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Simon always comes first. Judas always comes last. But what I want to get at here is Jesus knows there's a huge connection between the advancing of God's kingdom, between the mission that God has given him as God's son and prayer. The mission that God gave Jesus Christ was desperately dependent upon prayer. So he spent the night praying before he made this big choice. It's not just for him. Luke chapter 10, I wanna fast forward. We're gonna preach through the passage in a few weeks, but for now, I want you to see something. A little bit later on in his ministry, he's about to send 72 out. It says he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. 
he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Listen to this. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Now we'll go to the next slide where we put these two passages side by side. There's our first one. Jesus went on a mountainside to pray. Then he chose his disciples. Later on, he tells his disciples, you ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. And what I want to get at this morning is not only was it important, crucial, essential for Jesus to bathe his mission in prayer, it's essential for you and I today. As we look at a new year and all the possibility that it has for the church next door, we can have all kinds of ideas all kinds of events, all kinds of missional communities, all kinds of Sundays. But if we don't start with this foundation of prayer, we're fooling ourselves. The early church got this. This wasn't just Jesus. Acts chapter 1, the body of Christ. Listen to what it says. They all joined together constantly in prayer. When it came time to choose someone to replace Judas Iscariot, listen to what it says. They nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. And they cast lots and the lot fell to Matthias. They, they knew that decision was important enough to pray about. The ministry of Paul. Saul, Acts chapter 13, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. When did they get that message from God to set apart Saul for ministry? While they were worshiping and fasting. One more, Acts 14, 23, Paul and Barnabas are out on their mission. It says, they appointed elders for the people in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. You see, over and over and over again, Jesus and his ministry, the early church in their ministry, desperately depended on God in prayer. Does that characterize our body? Does that characterize your individual life when you look to this year of ministry? Do we walk in that life of prayer? If not, I want to ask the question, why not? Andrew Murray wrote a great book on prayer called With Christ in the School of Prayer. It's a great title. How many of you would love to sign up for that school? Christ is offering a school on prayer. Sign me up, right? He wrote a chapter in there, and he suggests two ideas as to why we don't pray. The first one is we don't have the compassion of Christ. You see, right before Jesus told his disciples to ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers into the harvest, it says he looked at the crowds and he had compassion on them. Do we even care when we look at the masses of Christless people in our world? Does it move you one iota but that person that lives next to you or that you work with may be heading for a Christless eternity. Listen to how Andrew Murray describes this compassion. That compassion is to accept the perishing ones around us as the charge entrusted to us. 
When you think of those perishing ones, do you accept that as your charge, your reason for being there? Do you have that compassion? The second reason he puts out there is a lack of faith. He says that many believers don't pray simply because they don't expect God can answer. And that makes me think of all the things Jesus said about you have not because you ask not. He talks about asking and seeking and knocking. Are we doing those things or is our lack of faith keeping us from it? Andrew Murray lifts our eyes. He says, imagine in, in your mind's eye, look out and, and there's the harvest. There's the, the people in the world ready to come to Jesus. Can, can you see them? Now look out again. There are the laborers, so few. You see how few there are? And he says, look again. There's the Lord of the harvest begging you to ask him to send more workers. Do you see him waiting for you to ask? And there are the disciples to whom the commission to pray has been given. Do, do you see all that? And in just a minute, I'm going to give us a, a tangible way to connect this powerful principle of prayer to what God's doing in our body here and around the world. But before we get there, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to make this prayer your own. Andrew Murray wrote these words, but I think this ought to reflect our hearts. He says, Lord, show us how you can pour down your spirit and breathe upon us so that your compassion and faith in your promise shall rouse us to unceasing, prevailing prayer. Lord, breathe your own spirit on all your children that they may learn to live for this one thing alone, the kingdom and glory of our Lord and become fully awake to the faith of what their prayer can accomplish. Lord, give us assurance that prayer offered in loving faith in the living God will bring certain and abundant answer. Amen.